This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Five, four, three, two, one. But who's counting, right? And his name is Major. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Major Garrett. From the nation's capital. Major, fantastic. It's the takeout. This is a major achievement. With CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent. Major Garrett. Yes, CBS. Yes, hi. Major Garrett. Major, that's nonsense. And you should know better. Is Major out of the doghouse? (laughs) The answer is yes. Welcome to the very best part of my broadcast week. I'm Major Garrett, host of The Takeout. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for finding it. And the various ways you can find this most excellent show. Of course, Paramount Plus, CBS News Streaming, podcast platforms. God bless you, our earliest adopters. And on great radio stations across the country. And speaking of early adopters, our guest this week <laughs> is one of our earliest adopters. At the time, he was DNC chairman, meaning chairman of the Democratic National Committee. His name is Tom Perez. Tom, this is your third time on the takeout. Third time. Great to see you. Thanks third for joining us. Third charm. Exactly. We're at Busboys <laughs> and Poets in Tacoma Park, Maryland. Why are we here? Because it's about, what, a mile from your place? A mile from my house. We're right at the border of Maryland and the District of Columbia. Exactly. So we aim to please here at the Take Us. We come right to your neighborhood, Tom Perez, to have your conversation. Listen, I want to begin our conversation philosophically. For those of you who don't know, Tom Perez was a candidate for the Democratic nomination for governor in Maryland. It was a very competitive race. Highly financed, very visible, lots of ads, high turnout. And Tom Perez fell just a little bit short. What's that experience like? What is the absorption process for working so hard, absorbing defeat, and moving on? Well, I wouldn't trade it for anything. The last 16 months have been a remarkable journey across the great state of Maryland. Mm -hmm. We had a 10-person field, and we were talking about the bread and butter issues of health care and making Maryland work. Um, I was fighting for jobs, justice, and opportunity. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, we lost by about 2%. Yeah. And, you know, as chair of the party, 15,000 votes. 15,000 votes out of almost 700,000 cast. And uh, the county that uh, we sit literally across the street from <laughs> right now is my home county. And uh, we won almost half the vote in that county, which gave us a real good cushion. But you know what? There were 10 really remarkable candidates. And, you know, the differences between us pale in comparison with the differences between our party and the Republican Party. The Republicans nominated a proud insurrectionist, a guy named Dan Cox. Um, And um, my friend Wes Moore won the Democratic primary. I've already done an event with him. I'll be doing more with him. Because what we do together as Democrats is we have a spirited primary. And, you know, we saw a remarkable turnout in 2018 when Mm -hmm. I was... DNC chair. We saw increases in 2017, 2018, 2019, and then the record turnout in the presidential. We saw dramatic increases here in Maryland. 
And the lesson I would simply start out with is, yeah, am I disappointed? Of course. You know, we, we fought like heck. Uh, but you know what? Uh, what we do at the end of primaries is we come together around our shared values. And that's exactly what I'm doing now. And I want to ask you a basic question of American civics, but it has become a fraught question, quite sadly, from my perspective. The power of a concession and the power of accepting defeat mm-hmm. in politics. You just went through that. I want you to articulate it, what it means to you, why it well, matters. Well, I mean, I love this country. My, my parents came to this country because they got kicked out of their home country, the Dominican Republic, because there was a brutal dictator. What separates the United States of America from autocracies like Russia is freedom and the right to vote and the orderly democratic process of transition when it was abundantly clear to me that I wasn't going to make it to the mountaintop in this primary, I pivoted immediately. We held a unity event about a mile and a half from here mm-hmm. uh, two, three weeks ago. And it's not about, and the, the elections aren't about Tom Perez or any other candidate for that matter. They're about something bigger. They're about the people we are trying to help right now. And, and let's face it, Major, and you're going to, you know, your, your book will be coming out soon, and yes. I'm, I can't wait to read it. Um, our democracy is on fire, and it's a five-alarm blaze. And, you know, we, I'm proud of the role I played in helping to defeat Donald Trump and electing Democrats in 2020. But let's make it real clear for folks. We defeated Trump, but we haven't defeated Trumpism. And that's because Trumpism predated Donald Trump. And that's why it was so important in our primary. And people would ask, oh, are you going to support Uh, the winner of our primary and I was like with all due respect that's a dumb question of course I am and just as we had two dozen candidates for president in 2020 and and when I was chair I asked every single candidate you know statistically speaking you're more likely than not to win the nomination but we need you to pledge to help the winner and every single candidate for president took that pledge and honored that pledge. And that was unity that enabled us to win in 2020. And that's what will enable us here in Maryland to win in 2022. So Tom was kind enough to mention my book. I've mentioned it on this program before. Trust me, I'll be mentioning it with greater frequency as we draw nearer to publication date, which mark this on your calendars, ladies and gentlemen, September 20th. The name of the book, The Big Truth. I'm the author, so is my co-author, David Becker. And what it's about is the election of 2020, as I've said before, was not stolen, not even close. As a matter of fact, it is not the result. I know many out there don't like the result, but the process, what we achieved as a nation, should be regarded as a great American success story because we did something hard. We did something with a lot of ingenuity under very difficult circumstances, the kind of things this country used to celebrate and celebrate loudly. You know, Major, uh, for, you know, for the benefit of your viewers and listeners, um, I had the privilege, 10 years ago, I was enforcing voting rights laws as head of the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice, uh, prosecuting voting cases, um, you know, taking on Texas and other places mm-hmm. that were trying to suppress the vote. But uh, just to put a finer point on what you said about 2020, if everyone were honest about 2020. Correct. We would be having a bipartisan celebration of 2020. Yes. Because, yes, there was record turnout. Record turnout. Period. Hard stop. 
Yes. And the reason I say we should be having a bipartisan celebration is, yes, it helped Joe Biden win. Yes. It helped us barely take control of the Senate. It helped us uh, to win the House. But at the same moment... Lots and lots of Republicans won. won. Well, and I'll tell you again. Exceeding expectations in the House of Representatives and at state legislative elections on the very same ballot, ladies and gentlemen, counted the exact same way. Uh, Remember that. Please don't ever forget that. And I'll I'll share some conversations. I was was in regular touch during the 2020 cycle with Speaker Pelosi. And, you know, we would have conversations about what, you know, what do we think the range is going to be? We, we, We felt confident. In the vice president's then vice president's you know capacity to bring it across the finish line, but how many seats we're going to be in the house? And you know, frankly, our we were talking about a range. You know, a bad day we might be plus six. A good day we might be plus twenty six. You know, and we ended up being minus thirteen or whatever right. it was. That was never within the range of our discussion. And I, I know I'm, I guess I should be embarrassed to admit that, but right. I'm, I try to be honest a, a all the time. A cynic might say that's a statistical anomaly. Yeah. No, it's but not. No. It's what happened. People, and, and here's the deal. In Texas, for instance, I spent the last four days of the election in Texas. I would have bet a lot of money on three or four house races yep. there. Yep. Um, you know, the person who was, uh, it was um, the seat that Beto used to hold, um, I would have I would have advised that I would have advised her to take curtain measurements. Right. I had, I had Get the victory party curtain. ready. And why did she lose? She didn't lose because it was rigged. She lost because Donald Trump, you know, say what you will about him, he's a turnout machine. Turnout machine in some places of this yes. country. And and that is why And there was a shift among Latino voters in some very key house races. In in, in South Texas and in South Florida. Now, yes. I do want to make sure I underscore that because I hear a lot and it sort of frosts me when I hear people say the Latino vote didn't show up. No, in South Florida and South Texas, yes, that is a fair statement. But elsewhere, Arizona, Mark Kelly became yes. a senator because of Latinos. Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan Latino vote, while not as large as um, Arizona, um, it was mattered, and it, it mattered. Up. And when you win, and when you win a state like Wisconsin by you know twenty twenty five thousand votes, that was a difference maker. But but the my broader point being, the narrative of twenty twenty should be a bipartisan celebration, and that's really what your book about, is underscoring. Exactly. And and these attacks on our democracies, these Secretary of State races coming up really important. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for mentioning the book and letting me set it up that way. Segment one is over. We're at Busboys and Poets, Tacoma Park, Maryland. Tom Perez is our special guest back for segment two in just one moment. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod 
to 500-500. This is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back to The Takeout. I'm Major Garrett. Busboys and Poets is our host venue. We're happy to be here. Tacoma Park, Maryland. And no, folks, throughout this remainder, for those watching on Paramount Plus, CBS News Streaming, we will not be running a Chiron underneath Tom Perez saying paid endorser for Major Garrett. <laughs> but I do appreciate you raising the book, and I will yeah. be talking about it more in the future. But yeah. some broad political questions right yeah. now. Um, we are recording this mid-August right. in Washington. There seems to be a intellectual slash analytical shift in the likely midterm fortunes of Democrats. Two or three months ago, it was a concrete fact that Democrats were going to get completely, to use an Obama phrase, shellacked in the 2022 midterms. But that's changing. Is that accurate or wishful thinking? No, I think it's accurate, and here's why. We're getting stuff done. The American people elected Joe Biden and Democrats because they wanted to bring their health care costs down. They want to address climate change. They want to build a better future for their children and their children's children. And that's exactly what we've done. I mean, you look at the Inflation Reduction Act, Major, <laughs> to quote a former vice president who's now the president, I'll just, that's a BFD. And we'll just leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. But, uh, I mean, think about it. Put that through your how, Google machine. It'll how, come up. How, how many decades have we been trying to um, unlock the stranglehold that the pharmaceutical industry had? Mm-hmm. You know, negotiating. The VA right now is allowed to negotiate drug prices, uh, drug prices but Medicare wasn't. We have changed that. Right. Now, we, now, let me just temper your enthusiasm. It's a small range of pharmaceuticals. And there are lots of stipulations and requirements, but it is the first significant change in federal law on this big question well, and, through it, Medicare. It, and, 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 and more to come because the number of drugs that will be subject to the negotiation will increase over time. And there's a cap of $2,000 right. that seniors can pay. That's a big deal. If you're one of the 13 million um, people who are you know, participating in Obamacare, you're going to get a subsidy uh, you know, relief to the tune of about 800 bucks um, a family. That's a big deal as well. And then you look at the, you know, the other things that are being done, you know, with the CHIPS Act, which is a, a major statement that we're going to bring supply chains home. You look at the bipartisan infrastructure bill. You know, I, I think there ought to be a requirement, frankly, for Republicans. You can't attend a ribbon cutting for any project that you didn't vote to fund. Because Republicans across the country right now during the August break are going to be traveling across their state trying to take credit for things that Joe Biden did. Well, there were press releases for the American Rescue Plan authored by Republicans who all voted against it. And and that is the part of what we have to do is tell the story of who has your back and who has a knife in your back. We haven't talked yet about Kansas. I'm a co-chair here at American Bridge, which is uh, you know one of the Democratic super PACs. And I, we were proud to be heavily involved in that campaign. So what did you see in Kansas? And was the result a surprise to you based on it, what you were seeing? Well, here's why it wasn't a surprise to me. I was DNC chair in the 2018 cycle. I got a call in late 17 from a former cabinet colleague, um, you know, Secretary Sebelius. Mm-hmm. And she said, Tom, 
Former governor of Kansas. The former governor of Kansas, the former insurance commissioner of Kansas, and a spectacular HHS secretary under President Obama. And she said the following to me. Tom, Democrats can win in Kansas. Um, People value their freedom. The Republican Party has been extreme. The party of Sam Brownback. We can do this. But you know what? I need someone to believe in us and invest in us. I need the DNC to be an angel investor because when people see the DNC invest, they're going to see that it can be done. We invested. Other people came in and invested. Sharice Davids was elected. Laura Kelly was elected governor. Fast forward now to 2022. This shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone who knows of the history of Nancy Kassebaum's right. Kansas. I think what surprised people was even in very solid Trump right. counties, which is one of the reasons we were a little bit behind and CBS projecting how the question on the referendum would come out, not a referendum, but on the constitutional protections of abortion in Kansas, because we were waiting on these very, very solid 70%, 80% Trump counties that yeah. voted in ways that were not consistent with that. Well, and it's, that, I think, was the well, surprise. You know, the, the, the Democratic Party is the party of freedom, and freedom is about the freedom of women to make choices about their body. The, the reason why I think in, in what is in, you know, usually a, a major headwind year, that, and it doesn't matter if it's a Republican president, like Ronald Reagan had a terrible 1982. Correct. They, they, we flipped more 26 seats, seats I yeah, think. And, and there were a bunch of governor seats that flipped to red, red to blue. Um, and, you know, George W. Bush had a bad time. I, I remember Obama yes. because I was working there in 2010. The reason why we have an opportunity here is because we're fighting for the issues that matter most. And, and the Republicans are so extreme. And, and we, have, we run this influencer program in Kansas where we were bringing, you know, through American Bridge, just lending voice to ordinary Kansans. We don't give them a script. They, they get out and they're talking about what taking away a woman's right to choose means to the women across Kansas. Again, th- this is no, not a celebrity thing. This is local influencers organically talking about what this means. That is, I think, really powerful. Does what, do, do the lessons from Kansas apply elsewhere in the midterms? And if Absolutely. so, where? I think they they apply. I mean, I mean Wisconsin, so, so Wisconsin is. I was just going to say um, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia, absolutely, I Arizona. Mean, there's a lot of people. Nevada. I mean, we've done a lot. All of Senate work. races that are very crucial to Democrats. I mean, and 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 what we have going for us as Democrats, and let's let's just take um, Nevada, Arizona, and Georgia for instance, which are three states. What they have in common: uh, Senate seats, mm-hmm. governors' races. And we are running really good candidates. Raphael Warnock, Mark Kelly, Catherine Cortez Masto. I've, I've known them all for a long time. They are really solid people running against really extreme candidates. I mean, Herschel Walker won't debate because he knows that his lack of knowledge on the issues is going to hurt him. And and you yeah I mean you, you, know, there, you talk there, about there is, there is a growing sense of dismay within Republican circles about Herschel Walker's not only well, campaign but his candidacy his ability to hold the stage and hold a conversation about a Senate seat. Holding a football is far different than holding um, your constitutional obligations. And Herschel Walker is unfit to serve in the United States Senate. And more and more people are going to see that. 
as we get closer and closer. And that is what, that's why we are working so hard. You know, we, we, we have at American Bridge an, an influencer program that I just mentioned before where, again, local um, advocates who are not being, you know, they're just, they're talking to folks. Mm-hmm. And they're organically talking about, yeah, you know, I loved Herschel Walker when he was in Georgia, you know, running the football. But that's different from running government. And we need Raphael Warnock, mm-hmm. you know, talking about the impact of Roe versus Wade, talking about the impact of a $2,000 cap on prescription drugs. We, we haven't even talked about the climate bill. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that is another BFD. To Do you see that energizing? Those voters, 19 to 30, yeah. who came out in very large, statistically noticeable numbers in 2020. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, I've said this very frequently to folks. You know, politics is the art of the possible. And, and what we have to do a better job of, and I think we are, is celebrating the remarkable work that's being done rather than lamenting what's on the cutting room floor. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've gotten a ton of stuff done. This is unprecedented stuff what was in the in the climate bill that is about to be passed um and you know the the inflation reduction act i mean this is unprecedented the largest allocation of federal funds across the gamut of renewable energy sources and subsidizing their future development absolutely and and i mean boy this if, if we ever needed a reminder this war in ukraine is a very stark reminder of the economic, the strategic, the political, the environmental imperative of weaning ourselves from reliance on fossil fuels. That is the voice of Tom Perez, our special guest, third time here at the Takeout Table. The table is located this episode, Bus Boys and Poets, Tacoma Park, Maryland, back for segment three in just one second. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back to The Takeout. Tom Perez is our special guest. Uh, Help uh, listeners and viewers, you've mentioned it a couple of times, what is American Bridge? Mm -hmm. It's a super PAC. How does it operate? What are you funded by? Uh, It's it's a super PAC that is helping Democrats get elected across the country. Uh, We're funded by grassroots donors, other donors who have invested. What kind of budget do you have? We, well, we spend millions. I mean, we, tens we made of millions a, of dollars. We, we've spent tens of millions of dollars. You know, we do a lot of um, uh, research to make sure we call out people. I mean, for instance, you know, Senator Scott recently said. Um, Rick Scott of Florida. No, actually, oh, Senator Tim, Scott from Tim, South Tim Carolina Scott, who Tim said, Carolina. Uh, you know, Democrats want to make sure that, um, you know, a woman can get an abortion at 52 weeks. Now, I believe. That would be impossible. But, you know, calling this out, I mean, Ron Johnson and other Republicans who have said, you know, I, or, or uh, Senator Rick Scott, you know, let's let, you know, let's transform Medicare and Social Security into, um, 
annual programs that get annually appropriated. Instead of this is crazy stuff. And a big part of what we do at American Bridge is hold these Republicans accountable and, and, and make sure that voters understand the contrast. We filed a lawsuit against Donald Trump. You know, we, uh, you know and, and the basic sum and substance of the lawsuit, uh, which is you know, against the FEC, is to get the FEC to do its job. Donald Trump has said, I'm running for president. And when you say you're running for president, now you've got to comply with campaign finance records. You've got to comply with uh, donor requirements and reporting requirements. The and point we of your lawsuit is he is effectively he, announced. Though he has not said, I am running. He's not said that exact phraseology, but he's effectively said he's running from your vantage right. point. And, and you don't have to use... Those words, I am running for president. If it acts like a duck and quacks like a duck, it is a duck. And that is what this lawsuit is, is and talking about. And what do you about. believe the former president is skirting by not filing any of this oh, information? Oh, he's raising unlimited amounts of money. He's skirting campaign finance laws. I mean, this president has been, I mean, he makes Richard Nixon look angelic. And that's saying a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and and what what troubles me as much as anything about Donald Trump is that people have grown so exhausted with it that they're almost accepting it. Oh, that's just Donald Trump. No, this is not normal. Our democracy is on fire, and it's a five-alarm blaze, and we cannot sit back and simply say, it's okay to skirt uh, campaign finance laws. It's okay to take home classified records and put them in your home. It's okay to rewrite all of these norms. People are up in arms. Oh, that was unprecedented. What, uh, the execution of a search warrant. Well, folks, his conduct's unprecedented. So I want to ask you about that since you raised it. That happened somewhat recently, this FBI search warrant. Trump called it a raid, an invasion. Um, you say the predicate conduct is what matters, not how the Justice Department worked through the process to learn more about it. But I will tell you, I was down there around Mar-a-Lago, and this will not surprise you, I met and talked to dozens upon dozens of Trump supporters on the causeway with their horns blaring and their flags flying. And from their perception, and they'd say, look, I'm a law-abiding American. I'm not an extremist. I'm not a fascist. I don't have guns. I don't want to topple the government. But I think Trump is being treated unfairly. There should be a bigger investigation of Hunter Biden. Hillary Clinton got away with much worse. And this, in their words, not mine, Tom Perez, pisses me off. And it makes me, this is their words, uncertain about what justice means in our country. They mean mean what they say. and And I take them at their word. I don't, I don't mean, I don't interpret in my interactions with them that they want to do anything that they believe is harmful to the country. They weren't at the Capitol on January 6th, but they're Trump supporters and they take it personally. It feels to them like an assault on them. So, and they're in this audience. This radio stations who carry this program are in Trump country. Talk to them for a minute. Well, American you know, to American. We, we had, let's go back to the first topic of discussion. Mm-hmm on this podcast today. We had an election, my friends, in 2020. It was a remarkable election. In the throes of a pandemic, we had record turnout. And here are the facts. Joe Biden won the presidency. 
Democrats won the Senate, and Republicans gained 13 seats in the House of Representatives. Those were all on the same ballot. Now, I am not here to tell you that the 13 seats that the Republicans net gained were the product of fraudulent behavior on the part of Republicans. More Republicans voted for that candidate in that district. And they deserve to win. And they deserved to win. And I accept that victory. And there is no Democrat uh, in elected office that I am aware of that has ever done anything but accept that victory. We have to understand that we are a government of laws, not a government of men. And nobody is above the law. We, we affirmed that in 1974 with what happened with Richard Nixon. And we must affirm this again. And, and many of those people and who you're referring to um, also believe that the election was somehow rigged. Yes, they rigged. do. They do. And, and that's what is so dangerous about the world in which we are currently living. People are entitled to their own opinions, mm -hmm. but they are not entitled to their own set of facts. And that is the challenge right now, is the invention of facts. I can tell you, as someone who spent a dozen years at the Department of Justice, the department can't just go in and knock on someone's door and say, I'm going to search your uh, home. You have to present evidence to a judge. And I can assure you, I know a little bit about that department, Yes. especially in a warrant like this. You are not going to go to a judge unless you had the requisite evidence to satisfy the legal requirements of probable cause. Now, probable cause to effectuate a search doesn't mean probable cause that a person, that, that Donald Trump has committed a crime. Right. That part of the investigation continues. But I would think it would be far more dangerous if armed with those facts, people stepped away and said, oh, he's Donald Trump. We shouldn't do that. Nobody is above the law and nobody should be above the law. Right. We should not be in a place in this country where the Justice Department says, well, look at these facts. Oh, but wait a minute. That person has a political following and they make a lot of noise yeah. and it would be a lot of blowback. So therefore right. we shouldn't. Right. You can't operate in a situation Correct. like that. You know, and there are some people who are, you know, arguing, and I, I don't know the answer to this question, and I don't think anyone does other than Donald Trump, that Donald Trump is talking about running for president as part of a legal strategy to head off indictment. Which it wouldn't do. Uh, well, no. As a matter of law, as a matter of law, it would not foreclose an indictment. Right. But I, would I, raise I understand the, the theory of why... Uh, that argument is being put forth. So you, a moment ago, raised many of the uh, accomplishments of President Biden. Would you say his accomplishments so far outdistance those of eight years of President Obama? Well, I, I think both presidencies have seen remarkable things happen. The Affordable Care Act is the biggest addition to our social compact since Medicare and Medicaid. And... Um, Thank God for Barack Obama and thank God for a woman named Nancy Pelosi and thank God for Democrats because that's why we got that. Um, you know, the President Obama inherited, you know, the and, worst and what, economic mess uh, of our uh, lifetime. On, on that point, I think this might be the first election cycle, Tom Perez, 
since the passage of the Affordable Care Act, where repealing it on the Republican side will not be a banner issue. Correct. Well, I remember... that's over. They don't talk about that anymore. Well, I'm, I'm sure that it'll come back up on the campaign trail. Um, and, and again, I'll, I'll take but you back not, very it's not quickly. A leading, it's not a leading part of their message. Well, it shouldn't be because we're I'm right I'm saying it was for a very it, well, long time. It was, and, and just go back to the 2018 midterms again. We were talking about health care, health care, health care. You know what the, the Republicans were talking about? The caravans, the caravans, the caravans. And you know what happened? If you watch Fox News the day after the midterm elections, no more stories on the caravans. They were trying to deflect attention. Joe Biden had, you know, this is a marathon relay, our journey to form a more perfect union. Barack Obama brought us the, and Democrats brought us the ACA, and Joe Biden is now taking it to new levels with what they are doing. That is the voice of Tom Perez. We are at Busboys and Poets, Tacoma Park, Maryland, segment four of The Takeout, coming right your way. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. From CBS News, this is The Takeout. With Major Garrett. Welcome back to The Takeout. Tom Perez is our guest, third time here at The Takeout Table. So, as you well know, Tom, uh, and you made a reference to this as we went to break, uh, immigration is an issue, and you can't say it isn't. It polls, and independents are dissatisfied with President Biden's approach to the border. The notion, the idea that Democrats favor open borders is a part of the conversation in our country. It polls in a way that people think that they're, they're uncertain about it or have already made up their mind about that. There's a conversation Republicans want to have about crime and public safety, inflation, and homelessness. All of these things are going to be a part of the midterm cycle, and polling suggests Democrats have vulnerabilities on all four. Do they? Well, I think Democrats have a really important story to tell, and, and, and it's based on facts as opposed to fear. And that is a story of uh, America where more people have access to health care now because of what we've done. Because of the American Rescue Plan, we had the fastest recovery from a recession in modern American history. That's a big deal, a 3.5% unemployment rate. You look at the investments in infrastructure now, you go across the country and you see one project after another because of what Joe Biden has done. We're about to make unprecedented investments in climate change. We are the party protecting a woman's right to choose. They are the party of extremes. On immigration, you asked that question. You know, we, we have always been a nation of laws and a nation of immigrants. We can be both. We must be both. And, you know, the... But, Tom, the, the, you know, as we speak, private donations are flowing into accounts in Texas and Arizona to bus migrants from the border to New York City and to Washington, Washington D.C., these people are being dropped off in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. They don't know anyone. There are very few resources. Church organizations and other groups are trying their level best, and it's a very difficult scenario to try to help these folks mm -hmm. who are just being plopped into these big cities. Right. And those private donations are not coming from, like, the Koch brothers. 
Americans are reaching into their wallets and sending money to get people from Texas and Arizona to what they perceive to be liberal bastions. Our immigration I've never system, seen that before. Uh, actually, just for the benefit of your uh, listeners here, we're literally two blocks away from a church mm-hmm. that has been uh, heroic in helping immigrants that are arriving in the D.C. area. So I, we've seen this. My, my wife, uh, who is a lawyer in D.C., has been you know, around this issue as well. Our immigration system is broken. Immigration reform historically, and I, I know a little bit about this because in 1996 I was working for Ted Kennedy mm-hmm. during the last iteration of comprehensive immigration reform. And, and you know what? In the Judiciary Committee during immigration reform in 96, um, there were probably 85 amendments. I need one hand to count the number of amendments that were passed on a party-line vote. In 1986, mm-hmm. when Ronald Reagan was president, we passed the so-called amnesty bill. And by the way, you know which president has done the most executive action in the last 50 years on immigration? It wasn't Barack Obama, who did a lot. It was Ronald Reagan. The Immigration Reform and Control Act wasn't forward-leaning enough. And what we need to do, and, and this gets to our broader question that is really, you know, pervades this entire conversation of our broken politics. Immigration reform in this country has historically been bipartisan. Mm-hmm. And in 2014, that was our last, our most recent opportunity. It passed, I think, 68 to 32 in, in the Senate. Senate yep. a, a very solid bipartisan bill, thanks to the likes of John McCain and others. And the reason it did, and, and John Boehner had made a commitment to passing it. In the summer of 2014, and then the following thing happened. A guy named Eric Cantor yep. lost his primary in Virginia. Republicans in the Over House. Over immigration got, to a gentleman oh, named Dave Brad. They, yep. got, they got scared. They walked away from it. And that's why we haven't had reform. But, but we have a worker shortage right now. Talk to employers. One solution is immigrants. Mm-hmm. We have immigrants in the state of Maryland where I live. A foreign-born Marylander is more likely to have a college degree than a native-born Marylander. Our healthcare sector in Maryland and across America would be in the toilet. But for immigrants, our construction sector, so many creative sectors in our economy would be nowhere. And we're going to have to keep fighting because your point is well taken. I, I, I understand the demonization of immigration as an issue. I saw it in 2018. Didn't work, by the way, mm-hmm. for the Republicans. And, and I'm going to work like heck, and I know the administration is working like heck, to make sure that it's not an issue again this time around by talking about the facts of what we're doing. What about crime and public safety? It was an issue in the gubernatorial campaign on your side. Wes Moore brought it up. Uh, to uh, a DA in San Francisco was recalled by San Francisco progressive Democrats over the issue. And it's cropped up in the New York City mayor's race. Eric Adams, the New York new mayor, has leaned into this aggressively. It is perceived Chicago has deeply endemic problems with gun violence. It is perceived, I think this is fair to say nationally, that Democratic-run entities, cities or states, have a bigger problem with crime than Republican-run. Well, that's, that's, that's empirically inaccurate mm-hmm. and provably inaccurate. And, you know, I, I'm a former federal prosecutor. I'm proud of the fact that there are people serving a life sentence for crimes that they committed, murders that they committed, that I prosecuted. I am proud of that. 
Democrats believe that we need to be smart on crime. That's why the police reform work is not about defunding the police. It's about reforming the police. I prosecuted a guy named Joe Arpaio, mm -hmm. the idiot sheriff in Maricopa County, Arizona. We didn't defund the Maricopa County Sheriff's Department. We reformed it. And voters helped out in those reform efforts by voting Joe Arpaio out of office. And that's what Democrats are fighting for. The, the defund the police was used by a few people after George Floyd, and then Republicans very Adroitly. cleverly uh, made it into a broader issue. The, and the people, banner of the party. Yeah. People who opposed that concept across the country in 2020 had political consequences. And, 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 and that was a, a, a cynical, but effective, effective. Uh, ploy. Demo Joe Biden has been clear as a, a bell from day one. He's not supporting defunding the police. He's supporting reforming the police. The most important tool a police officer has in his or her arsenal is the trust of the community. That's why I worked on these issues for a long time bringing police and communities together. And, and when we talk about facts, and you know, they have good sound bites that can resonate with some. But the reason I have optimism going into this midterm election is we have results to show. And, and we have very concrete evidence of the extremism of the other side. And the best example is Roe v. Wade and what's happening in the aftermath of Roe v. Wade. That is the voice of Tom Perez, our guest. Busboys and Poets has been our host restaurant here in Tacoma Park, Maryland. It's been great to be here. Tom, thanks so much for your time. My pleasure. For our radio audience, we need to say farewell. But those of you watching on CBS News Streaming, Paramount Plus, and listening on the podcast, stay tuned, as you always do, for the Takeout Outtake Especial. I'm Major Garrett. We will see you next week. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome to your Takeout Outtake Especial. I'm Major Garrett. Bus Boys and Poets is our host restaurant here in Tacoma Park, Maryland. Always good to be out and about. Hope you're enjoying your summer. Tom Perez, our guest. So, Tom, let me just run a couple of uh, Senate races by you and get your prediction. Democrats will win or lose the following states. Wisconsin. We will win. Win. Pennsylvania. Win. Georgia. Win. Arizona. Absolutely. Win. Absolutely. Nevada. Absolutely. Is there any race you're looking at that no one else is that you think Democrats have a chance in? I would look. Uh, you didn't ask me about North Carolina. I okay. Think, uh, uh, you know, Judge Beasley lost by 400 votes in her race for Supreme Court. So you can't tell me that, you know, she doesn't have the ability to run a statewide campaign. And I think that's a race that um, is a, a real opportunity um and you know we see some really interesting i saw it in 2020 there's a lot of growth among democratic constituencies we talked about latino voters mm -hmm. for instance what we have to do is the, the numerosity is there the numbers are there for latino voters 
We've just got to make sure we translated that into actual voting. How about Ohio? Oh, I think Tim Ryan has a real shot. You know, um, um, you know the I, you know the two races that I think are those dark horse contenders are Ohio and North Carolina. And, and by the way, I, I campaigned with Tim in 2016 when I was out in the general election in 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 the heart of um, his district. He's a really really good. Um, he connects with voters. He's a very good retail politician. Right. So uh, the careful listener will say, well, you think you're going to win them all. That's probably uh, not going to happen. Be I'm realistic. Afraid, no, well, again, I, the reason I come to listeners with optimism here, Major, is, um, you know, let's, let's, let's go back to 2010 in um, Nevada and in Delaware, okay? Right. Senate Those races. Two, these Senate are Senate races. races. Yeah, we're sticking with the Senate. Right. You know, Harry Reid was left for dead in 2010, and you know that that was Joe Biden's old seat, mm-hmm. and you know some guy named Chris Coons, who Chris who, <laughs> and you know what we had in common there is we had two really good candidates, and the other side had two really extreme candidates. So why do I have optimism about Tim Ryan? Well, his opponent, his you know, JD Vance, talk about undergoing a complete campaign conversion. I mean, he was... Totally uh, anti-Trump, now totally pro-Trump. Yeah, I mean, you can't... You can't... I mean, he, he really... He must have been an Olympic gymnast before he got into politics. And so, I think people can see through phonies. And, you know, Herschel Walker... I mean, he there won't be a debate down there because he can't he can't perform a debate. And And, you know, in Nevada, I spent a lot of time there... Again, in 16, 18, and 20. And the key is getting those voters who work along the strip mm-hmm. out to vote. The culinary workers. You. The culinary workers. Yep. And I, you know, they have a, there's a really remarkable uh, turnout machine. So oftentimes we do pop culture references, a little bit of fun and games in the takeout. I'll take a special. We've already asked you the three threshold questions. Go to the archives, folks, to find out Tom Perez's answer. So briefly... Recently, has there been anything that you've streamed that you really, really loved? I um, I saw. And now I know you were running for the Democratic nomination for governor, so you were very busy. But I'm just curious yeah. if there's anything at all that you no, recall. I went to a concert um, at the Anthem, which is a Nearby. venue uh, here in D.C., and uh, I saw uh, Glenn Hansert and uh, Marquita Erglova, who, uh, if you saw the the movie and the Broadway show once um, uh, he won and they, they won an Academy Award for best song mm-hmm. um, uh, from that movie. And they have been, they were touring and um, I'm also a big fan of Hamilton. Yes. And uh, Marquita did a, um, a wonderful version of uh, one of the Hamilton songs. And I, I put it on my, uh, on my uh, gadget here on my <laughs> iPhone and I sent it to um, Luis Miranda, you know, Lin-Manuel's sure. dad, who yes. was helping me actually on the campaign. And so was Lin, you know, um, and they, he put it up. He has, a, he has a very wide following. And so if you want to watch, uh, you know, two minutes of uh, uh, Marquetta and uh, Hamilton, it's a pretty cool thing. That's, that's pretty good. That's improvisational streaming, yeah. all courtesy of Tom Perez. Yeah. And, yes, I would say that Lin-Manuel Miranda – Probably has a rather large yeah, following. Yeah, he's a little larger than mine. <laughs> or mine. That's the voice of Tom Perez. 
Thanks for joining us. This concludes your Takeout Outtake Especial. Our thanks again to Bus Boys and Poets in Tacoma Park, Maryland. We will see you again next week. The Takeout is produced by Arden Fari, Jamie Benson, Sarah Cook, Ellie Watson, Jake Rosen, and Ashley Armstrong. CBSN production by Eric Susanen. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Takeout Podcast. That's at Takeout Podcast. And for more, go to takeoutpodcast.com. The Takeout is a production of CBS News. If you like The Takeout, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Varian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them? and not the man pulling the strings. Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.